Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale. Up yon Makul Kukulin, Deirdre of the Sorrows, grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and close to us sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Buka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 99. Tonight we're gonna party like it's episode 99. Oh yeah. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast we are going to be telling a story that is going to seem incredibly inappropriate after my introduction to that, but it is... Ragnarok, the doom of the Norse gods. But first, a very big welcome to you all, to any new listeners and indeed to any returning listeners. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast. If you enjoy it, please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. If you want to get in touch at the Fireside Bard at gmail.com. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast, where you can join our ever growing list of very kind benefactors. I want to give a Special thank you and shout out to this week's newest patrons, which is Ian Skinner and Keon O'Mahony. Thank you so much for your generosity. You join our seven other new pe- uh, patrons for this month. It's been the the strongest month on the Patreon so far, and I'm absolutely delighted with that. So thank you so much for your support, and indeed to all of you, all of the other patrons who have supported, whether it be from the beginning of the year or or recently. I can't thank you all enough because I've invested a huge amount personally and financially, not just in this podcast, but on developing this podcast for a new project for 2021, which I have been telling all the patrons about and will tell all my listeners about very soon. It will be an announcement before Christmas. We're just kind of finalizing things here at home, or I am at least, and just trying to get all the right things in place before an official announcement and a soft launch but the patreon money is helping fund this it is entirely funding it and you are with your patreon support you are funding fireside and furthering the traditional the tradition of irish storytelling which i hold so dear and i know all of you hold so dear as well so it is going very much to as good a cause as i can think to put it towards in i can't think of a better way to spend the money made for doing this podcast than for developing this podcast and developing what it is that I do. 
And so thank you very much uh, one more time. But if you aren't in a position to support the podcast via Patreon, supporting it with your listenership is more than enough as well. Uh, But if you are enjoying it, please do follow me on Instagram. Please do tell a friend about it because we have just hit over 200,000 downloads. And that was, I wanted to get to 200,000 before the 100th episode. So I'm absolutely delighted. We were only at 50,000 this time last year. So to be at 200,000 who have tripled our our listenership is incredible. It feels the podcast is still going in the right direction as we approach our 100th episode next week, if you can believe it. But this week, I um, I just want to give a quick mention. Um, I won't mention them by name because I'll get back into them, back to them personally myself. But I had a contact from a listener saying that I sounded a bit down on the episode last week. Uh, I apologize for that and thank you so much for your concern. Uh, if anyone else noticed that or was wondering, I am actually, I am actually okay. I, I think like everyone, we have our good and bad days. I, in general, have been better, relatively speaking. Everyone in my family, everyone I know and love is is relatively healthy and everything, which is all you can really hope for. And I've been working away on a good few things. I've had a lot of things to focus my mind on, and I've been fortunate in that, and great that I can continue recording this podcast remotely until we get back into the Head Stuff Podcast Network studios. So I'm very fortunate for that. So I am doing okay. I have bad days like everyone else, and it's been wonderful to... Not wonderful, but it's I, I felt a great sense of community with the podcast for all of you who have sent me messages letting me know how you're all getting on and how you're coping through all of this and saying that you've been listening to fireside on your walk or whatever please do keep them sending in i love hearing from all of you and i that's what i want i want to feel like this is a growing community that we have here with this podcast so keep them coming get in touch just to even say hello it's always welcome i'd love to hear from you all so the story for this week, continuation on last week, we had, last week we had Ragnarok part one with the death of Balder, which didn't really contain any part of Ragnarok per se, but as you will see here, nothing of Ragnarok will ever come to pass without the death of Balder and the imprisonment of Loki. I was, as I had said, I want to get back to Irish mythology for the 100th and delve back into a lot of the untapped areas that we did or didn't do in our first run through in the first 100 episodes. But because I began Norse mythology and dove into the Vikings and the Norse occupation of Ireland, it didn't feel right to leave that without putting the ending on it even though there was so many Norse stories that I would have loved to have done and who knows maybe we'll do every now and then in the future there's a couple of ones particularly like the story of Loki's children and uh, how how good poetry is made how bad poetry is made how Odin you know learned how to read the runes and sacrificing himself to his himself there's so many incredible stories in Norse mythology that I would love to have a crack at adapting but this is for, first and foremost an Irish storytelling podcast and our bread and butter is Irish myth and legend and folklore. So there are so many writers who are more equipped and so many Norse writers, you know, who it's their culture and not mine. So I just wanted as a treat for myself and I hope for you as well, wanted to have a dip into Norse mythology. But this will be the finale of it for the moment. And what a finale in more than any other mythology Norse mythology has a beginning, but my God, does it have an end? 
and we'll talk a bit more afterwards, but this is Ragnarok, the Doom of the Gods on Fireside. Ragnarok, the Doom of the Gods. It will begin with the winter. A winter unlike any other. It will only get colder and colder, crisp to bitter to unbearable. And it will not end. For three years of frost, the inhospitable will become unlivable. The mortals of Midgard will turn on each other. Brother will fight brother. Mothers will fight daughters. Fathers fight sons. As the wall Odin and Vili and Ve built around Midgard begins to crack. The wall made from Ymir's lashes to protect us from the giants will collapse. The giants will be waiting, as they always have. Then will begin the earthquakes. Entire mountains will tremble as autumn leaves. Yggdrasil, the world tree, will shake like the ripple in a lake. Beneath Asgard, Fenrir, the wolf offspring of Loki, who was bound there by the gods, will be freed from his dwarven bonds. The enchanted ribbon which entrapped Fenris wolf also kept him from growing. Unbound, his giantess mother genes will flow again, and Fenrir will grow to the size of Odumla, the cosmic cow, inconceivable in scale. Then... Fenris Wolf will devour the sun and the moon. The ocean waves of Midgard will slosh as water in a basin, and Loki's second son, Jormungundr, the world serpent who kept the world from sinking beneath the waves, will finally rise, and the world will flood. With Jormungundr, the world's largest ship, Nagalfar, will be freed of its moorings. Nagalfar is made of dead men's nails. You should always trim the nails of the dead, as if you don't, they will contribute to the size and scale of Nagalfar. And this ship's helmsman will be one who fought alongside the gods, but on that day... He will seal their doom. Loki was eternally bound beneath the earth in the darkness, wrapped in the entrails of his own son. There, the poison of a great snake slowly drips on his forehead, which is caught in a bowl by his devoted wife Sigyn. Whenever the bowl fills, and Sigyn has to empty it, a few drops of poison reach Loki's forehead, and the trickster god screams in agony. This causes the first of the earthquakes. The only thing that will keep Loki from losing his keen mind will be thoughts of Ragnarok. Thoughts of rising up with his children against the gods who imprisoned him. Loki will helm Nagalfar which will be captained by Jotun, the king of the frost giants. 
Loki and Jotun will meet the trickster's third child, Hel, who was doomed to rule in Niflheim in the cold underworld. Hel will lead the souls of the damned, of the unfulfilled, of the cowardly. Finally, through the floods and the ice will come the fire. Surt, the guardian of Muspel, with his flaming sword, will begin the march he will have been waiting for since the beginning of time. He will lead the giants. Together, Surt, Hel, Jotun, the giants, the frost giants, the dark elves, and of course Loki, will climb Yggdrasil and travel across Bifrost, incinerating the rainbow bridge behind them as they go. And there will never be another rainbow again. From his post, Heimdall, the watcher of the gods, will blow the Gjallarhorn and wake the Aesir for the final battle. Odin, the Allfather, will summon the Einherjar, the mortal souls of the heroes of Valhalla. He will summon his Valkyrie, his valiant horde of warrior women, and he will summon the gods of Asgard. The Allfather will lead the charge into the Battle of Ragnarok. Thor, the giant slayer, the god of thunder, he will slay giants for the last time. He will fulfill his destiny and his dream. Since he had travelled to the land of the giants and had been tricked into lifting Jormungundr, Thor could never get the world serpent out of his mind. And on that day, he will know why. Winding and binding and slipping and sliding and thrashing between its great coils, Thor will finally bring down Mjolnir on the world serpent's head, killing him. But a last gasp of venom will splurge from Jormungandr's mouth. It will cover Thor, and there the god of thunder will die. Odin will ride on the eight-legged horse Sleipnir, as he will wield Gungnir, his great spear. The All-Father will ride for the galactic-sized Fenris wolf. I should have drowned you when you slithered out of your giantess mother, he will say. And the great wolf will reply, Yes, you should have. Odin will stab the wolf, and his ravens, Hugin and Munin, will peck and pluck at Fenrir's eyes, but it will do no good. The wolf will catch the gallows guard in his ferocious jaws, and Fenris Wolf will devour Odin, and the All-Father will die. But Vidar, Odin's silent son, will witness his father's death, and with his great shoe, made from all the discarded pieces of leather from our world, he will jam the great wolf's jaw open, and Vidar will snap Fenris Wolf's jaw in two. The wolf will die, and the All-Father will be avenged. Finally, on the battlefield, Loki will smile at the devastation around him. He will have no regrets. It will be his final and greatest trick. He will fight Heimdall, the Watcher, and they will die by each other's hands. Heimdall will die impassive. He will have seen this all before him. Loki 
will die with a smug, satisfied grin across his pale face. Surt will raise his flaming sword and raise Asgard and the Nine Realms to ash. The ash tree Yggdrasil will be cut down and the world will return to the fire and ice, just as it had begun. But then, something else will begin. The gods, mortals, giants, elves, dwarves, all creatures of our world will die. The sun will have been devoured by the great wolf. But the sun will birth a daughter, and she will shine upon the earth once more. The sun's daughter will dry the ice and the fire, and the floods will subside. Green shoots will grow from the earth. And from the underworld, the shining god, Balder, whose murder had brought about the doom, will return to the living world. He will be joined by his blind brother Hod, who will see. Also there will be Vidar, who avenged his father Odin, Thor's sons, Magni and Modi, who will be the new wielders of their father's hammer, Mjolnir. It will take two of them to drag it from the waves, until one of them is worthy. Balder will find a chess piece in the grass. It will be carved to look like Odin. Then he will find Thor, Frigg, Frey, Freya, and even Loki. Balder will arrange the pieces on a makeshift board in the sand. He will challenge his brother Hod to a game. Balder will move first, and the world will begin again. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. I'm Connor Reed with words to that effect. How do the Victorians invent time? Where do all those pirate cliches come from? Should we all read romance novels? Why are kids so obsessed with dinosaurs? What makes the perfect detective story? What happens to culture and society in a post-apocalyptic world where everything has stopped? Words to that effect tell stories of the fiction that shapes popular culture. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts and at wttepodcast.com. And that is the story of Ragnarok on Fireside, and I hope you enjoyed it. It, I said this at the end of the last episode, the thing that's most that was most fun to adapt this story well, strangely, not any of the content, although that was incredible. It was the fact that it's written in the future tense. 
that is the most interesting thing about Ragnarok, and we've talked about that throughout the discussions on Norse on 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 it. And it isn't just that Norse mythology has a beginning and it has an end. The Norse were very unclear about whether or not Ragnarok had already happened or whether it will happen. And that's the beauty of it being written in the future tense, but having been published, certainly by Snorri, the storyteller in uh, in the poetic or in the prose Edda, is that if it was in the future tense in the thirteenth, eleventh century, has it happened yet? Is it in the past to us now, or has it yet to happen? Is it a premonition, or is it a story of something that's already happened? And so the most interesting thing in adapting Ragnarok was adapting this future tense, which is in any version of it I have found. It's not about what has happened, it has, it's about what will happen. And how often do you get to hear or tell a story about something that definitely will happen? The future is this unknown plane. We don't know ever what's going to happen for sure. But the Norse were certain about what would happen. That Ragnarok would come, the world would end. And this is how, and the gods would die. There would be no doubt about that. And that, culturally, that explains the Norse and the Viking Age particularly so much. This real seize the day mentality. And obviously as part of this ritual and this religion for them, they believed that to get into Valhalla, you had to die with a sword in your hand. And you wanted to join the Einherjar. You wanted to fight in you wanted to go to Valhalla and Valhalla wasn't just heaven it wasn't just paradise you had a job when you were in Valhalla you went back into training training for Ragnarok you wanted to fight on the side of Odin you wanted to fight on the side of the gods because there also is um, Freya's hall Freya also has uh, many of the valiant and brave warriors she used to split she used to split the heroes with with Odin and all of the heroes would either go to Freya's Hall or Odin's Hall and so that was the best you could ever hope for and women could get into Frigg's Hall or Freya's Hall uh, by dying in childbirth that was considered their most noble death whereas a man's most noble death was to die on the battlefield and if you didn't if you died a coward's death or an evil death you would go to Niflheim you would go to hell and be with hell and it it wasn't necessarily hell as we would associate it because you know good people could go to hell but it just the implication here is that if you went to hell you would be fighting on the side of the giants and of Loki in in Ragnarok and maybe that's the side you want but that means you'll die too and you'll be dying for the baddies basically there's a lot of talk that of um, Christian overtones in Ragnarok because it reflects the book of Revelations in the Bible quite a bit. But I think there's something much more to it than that. I don't think it suffers from Christian translation the way a lot of the stories in mythology can do. But it is definitely there and it's undeniable, you know, that <laughs> we talk a lot about mythology, but the Bible... The Bible does have Ragnarok as well, essentially. It has the doom of us. It has what will happen when we die. And it is one of my great favorite comedies of the last 10 years is This is the End is Seth Rogen and Jeff James Franco at the end of the world. 
it all trapped in James Franco's house. That I I feel that is a very much reflection of the, uh, of what our Ragnarok will be, and we have a few elements here littered through. There's a lot of talk about the function of myth, and one of the most rudimentary functions of it is was as a way of primitive cultures, or pagan cultures explaining the world to themselves so most recently with the death of Baldur, we had this idea that this this net that loki knit and was used to catch him in salmon form that that was the first fishing net and loki trapped beneath the earth with the poison falling on him that is where earthquakes came from and there was the one in thor the land of the giants as well yes when thor drinks out of the great drinking horn he lowers the levels of the sea and that's why we have tides and what's really nice is in a lot of those stories you have these elements of explaining the world but they're not necessarily the point of the story and that's my favorite part is they're just kind of drip fed in and we have this in the doom of the gods as well we have this incredible incredible image of Nagalfar this ship of the damned the biggest ship of all time that is will be captained by Loki and Ragnarok and it is made gro- grossly in with the nails of dead people and that is so disgustingly brilliant and so unlike anything I've ever heard before. And this idea, as I think most of us are familiar with this concept that your hair and your nails are the only thing that keep growing after you die. So that ties in really nicely to this of trimming the nails of dead people after they die so that they won't contribute to Nagalfar. But knowing that they do, knowing as we do now, that nails do continue to grow. So no matter what you try, your nails will ultimately contribute to this ship of the damned. And likewise, in a in an absurd moment late in the story, and I again, I was nearly going to take it out because it, it, it seemed silly objectively, but I kept it in because it, it is there for a reason and it makes these particularly idiosyncratic and I would never shy away from that this great boot of Vidars, this great boot of Vidars that is made of all of the discarded pieces of leather from the world, whether they be from belts or shoes or whatever. You throw away a piece of leather, it goes towards Vidar's great boot, which will jam Fenrir's wolf, Fenris Wolf's jaw open and will be used to avenge the Allfather. I mean, what an incredible thing to be telling young children, you know, if you were a cobbler in in the ancient Norse world. They say, oh, don't be careful with your discarded pieces of leather, you know, because that's going to be needed in Ragnarok. Even at that level, not just like, don't die, make sure you die in battle so that you'll be go to Valhalla so you can fight in Ragnarok. It's like, don't even discard your pieces of shoe leather because that'll be needed for Ragnarok. Ragnarok, it shows how much Ragnarok must have been present in the pedestrian daily life of the inhospitable Norse Norse world and of course there is this great end of all of these characters but then there will be another beginning and this incredible I actually did think when I first properly discovered these stories through Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology I uh, I thought that he had made up this ending of finding chess pieces in the dirt and them being shaped like the gods who had died. I thought that was just a beautiful real gamey end to something. But that is that is clearly in the prose edit because that is in a few versions that I've found. 
and I love it. And I have just, I've been watching The Queen's Gambit this week, which if anyone hasn't seen or hasn't heard of, I highly recommend it. Seven episodes. It's very, very strong performance from Anya Taylor-Joy and it's all about chess and just how sexy chess can be. And I've always had a thing for chess. Always wanted to get back into it, but how it's portrayed how it's filmed it's such a beautifully shot show in general and you wouldn't have thought they could make action sequences out of a game of chess but they really do so chess has been on my mind a lot this week and then you have the lovely treat at the end of Ragnarok of this chess game being begun again there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about this idea of you know this great cosmic game that we're all a part of and think life is compared to a game of chess quite a lot so we have that quite literally here and it just makes me think of the seventh seal the um Ingmar Bergman classic starring Max von Sydow and if anyone doesn't know it it's the image of a knight playing a game of chess with death um, I'm sure you'd know the image of it. It's a brilliant film. It's incredibly, incredibly bleak and awful, but it's a really, really great watch. It's a really engaging film for a film made as early as it was in whatever the late 40s, early 50s. But I'm reminded of this. I'm reminded of that at the end of this. There's something morbid naturally, of course, because the world has just ended, but the weight of this chess game that will be played with the pieces and it just is the beginning of something else and the beginning of something mortal and that's why they have one theory that Ragnarok has already happened to give birth to our world to the world that we live in and that's why there are no gods that's why gods aren't knocking on our doors I mean they probably wouldn't be knocking over here although with a lot of uh, by American gods logic with the amount of Norse that came over to Ireland in the 8th and ninth century, they would have brought their gods with them. So, who knows? Thor and Odin and Loki and all the boys and girls, they could be still knocking around Ireland to this day. So, if you are and you listen to Fireside, get in touch. I'd love a chat. I'd love a pint. When, when of course, everything can open again. And with that, I'm going to end wrap up this episode. Episode 99. Next one is the 100th special I've been waiting for this for so long and I can't wait. Going to hopefully be an extra special one. I have an idea for it. I have it written. Rather pleased with myself with it. I hope you are too. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you enjoyed the last few. As I always hope you enjoy every episode. Please do follow me over on Instagram at firesidebard. Uh, Contact me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you so wish. Please do support the Patreon if you are in a position to to further support Irish storytelling at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. Thank you so much to Alan Paddy and everyone at Headstuff. And congratulations to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, not to get <laughs> political, if I, I'm sure I might possibly have some Trump supporters who listen. I know that there are Irish Americans uh, who are supporters of Trump but I must confess that I breathed an immense sigh of relief um, 
even though I'm over here in Ireland, it's not my country, it's undeniable that what happens in America has ripple effects throughout the rest of the world and certainly does in Ireland because our two nations are so inextricably linked and that is what I like to embrace so much with this podcast, to embrace how Irish culture has spread and there's no denying that the country that it has arguably spread the most to is the United States and I love, I love America, I love touring over there and it was a wonderful thing uh, it was a wonderful thing to see, particularly with Kamala Harris, particularly to see the first woman, the first mixed race, the first black, the first Indian descent. It's I, I'm excited. You know, it's it felt like a nice thing. And I may be a little bit biased towards Biden because I share his birthday and I have uh, never had a famous person who has the same birthday as me. I think I had like an obscure member of Kings of Leon, an obscure member of Girls Aloud. But never the first time I can say, yeah, my guy who shares my birthday, leader of the free world. I don't know why it matters. It's just something that's always bothered me. And it's next week, actually. But I won't have recorded. I'll have recorded one so I can wish. <laughs> yeah, Joe Biden is exactly 50 years older than me, if you can believe you. So I'll let you work out what age I'll be then. And that I'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside this podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network